He didn't say, be of good cheer, I'm going to get you out of it. Be of good cheer, it'll all be over after a while. No, he said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, even when it doesn't look like victory, it's still victory because he's already guaranteed it. Welcome to Treasure Truth with Pastor and author James Ford Jr., Senior Pastor of the Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you're with us. We're continuing a message today called Committed to Christ in the Crisis. And Pastor, all of us have faced crisis. And as you've just pointed out a moment ago, Jesus didn't say, be a good cheer because I'm going to get you out of it. He said, be of good cheer because he has guaranteed the victory. But in the midst of that crisis, it can be tough when we feel just overwhelmed by whatever that burden is, uh, how would you encourage the person who says, man, pastor, it doesn't feel like victory. It never feels like victory. Let me tell you why. Because the word of God wants us to respond volitionally. And often what we do is respond emotionally. And uh, we're all emotional creatures and we're going to go through uh, that roller coaster of emotions. Uh, But when we stand on God's word, we trust it. Then our volition controls our emotion. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Ford? I mean, just basically, despite my fears, despite uh, the trauma that it causes me, I just depend and trust in him that what he said is what he's going to do. And so by faith, uh, I just believe him. I trust him. I mean, we do it all the time, right. Steve. You, you, you know, you, you go to a doctor that you don't know. He writes a prescription you can't read, and you take it to a pharmacist that you don't know, and he gives you some medicine you can't pronounce, and, and you take it. You hope to get well. Why? Because the doctor told you so. You're in pain. You're in agony. You're not feeling well, but you take it. Uh, despite how you feel. yeah, You may not even trust it to do what the doctor says it's going to do, but if you believe what the doctor said, you take the medicine. Oh, and how much greater is the great physician? How much more should we be trusting his promises? Don't take my line, Steve. Uh- <laughs> Good grief. I, you know, you just took my lines. All right, well, uh, then I'm going to get out of the way, and we're going to hear directly from you. We're in uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, that's all right. You know what it means. Uh, you know, great minds think alike. Or as uh, my assistant pastor's wife said, monkey see, monkey do. Okay. I like the first one better. Oh, you like and the great minds. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, all right, all right. We're in Revelation chapter 2. Let's hear the conclusion of the message, Committed to Christ in the Crisis. Here's Pastor Ford. God doesn't have to get you out of trouble but God will be with you in your trouble. Amen. Amen. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They'll let you know there was a fourth one in the fiery furnace who was in there before they got there. And Nebi was talking about, I had Babylonian math. Let's see, one plus one plus one is three, but I see four. And the fourth like unto the Son of God. Now, I, I, I say that's a declaration of the deity of Jesus Christ from a pagan. And then some folk have a problem with that. They say, well, it says like unto the Son of God. Well, right here in Revelation chapter 1, we don't have a problem with saying this is Jesus, but it says one like unto the Son of Man. So if that's not Jesus in Daniel, that ain't Jesus in Revelation 1. Hello. That's what it said. And they say, and the argument is right. Like is a simile, which means it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be him. Yeah, but, but God violates language all the time. The Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit is neuter now. But in the, in the text it says, the Holy Spirit, he. And so he ascribes a masculine 
a masculine pronoun and put it together with a neuter noun, it, he. Now, I know sometimes wives and girlfriends say that, you know, that, that it, you know, talking about a he, but, you know, why does God do that? Because language serves him. He doesn't serve language. And so he gives the prediction. Now, let me just, let me just, the, the, one of the most prevalent um, um, interpretations would be that what we, what we call uh, the prophetic view. Uh, that is that this represents uh, what happened in some persecutions. There were 10 persecutions of the Christians. I'm just going to walk through it. And, and 10, this, this 10 days, now 10 is a number for testing too. 40 is a, a number for testing and 10 is a number for testing. And so here, um, uh, most scholars have gone back, looked at this period. Because remember now, Ephesus is, 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 all these churches happened at the same time. They were practical, but they were prophetic. And they give us the church age. So that age that is encompassed by Smyrna, I'm just going to read this off, AD 64-68, Nero burned Rome, blamed Christians, crucified and threw Christians in the pits with wild animals, executed Paul and probably Peter. Then the next one, 1996, Domitian, killed thousands in Rome, banned, he's the one who banished John to the Isle of Patmos. Trajan, 104 to 117 AD, outlawed Christianity. He's the one who burned Ignatius at the stake. Marcus Aurelius, 161 to 180 AD, tortured and beheaded Christians. Uh, Severus in 2000 to 2011 burned, crucified, and beheaded Christians. Maximus 235 to 237 executed Christmas. Decimus tried to wipe out Christianity and executed everyone that he could find that said the name of Jesus Christ. Valerian 257 to 260 tried to wipe out Christianity. He executed uh, the Bishop of Carthage. Aurelian 270 275 persecuted Christians. And Diocletian, uh, he was the, the, the one that prefigured the Antichrist. Because he not only burned Christians, but he burned Bibles or scrolls. But, but here, 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 here's, you know, we, we don't have to argue about all that. Here's what he's saying. I'm letting you in on what you're going to have to face. That was always a blessing for me. One of the scriptures that blessed me as a pastor when I was getting ready to break camp, get up out of here. Because y'all was working my, black, my, my last black nerve. And, 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 and I was saying, God, when are you going to do something? When are you going to do something? And then I ran across that Ezekiel passage where he said, he told Ezekiel, I'm only going to do one thing. I'm going to make your head harder than theirs. I took that as a promise. I said, when we butt heads, there's a break in mine won't. <laughs> and so God is letting us in. But this is the other thing he's trying to get us to see. Why 10? I know when it's going to start. And I know when it's going to end. And I've already let you know it's not going to last forever. That's it. Do you know, when you read further in the book of Revelations, do you know what? What about all these people who are martyred? Well, first of all, they're going to be at the head of the line. Because the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And so a lot of these people who are giving their lives, they'll be at the head of the line because they're dying for the Lord Jesus Christ. But guess what the Bible teaches me? That God has all of their tears bottled up in a bottle all their hurts all their pain i'm talking about you too when somebody persecute you for christ god says i got them in my tear bottle now here's what i like about the book of revelation when he rains wrath what does the scripture say he pours out the tear bottle you know what that means nobody who did anything against you because of christ in you will get away with what they did. They may get by, but they're not going to get away. They're going to pay. That's what that means. They're going to pay.
So when you look at this then, then the promise. Oh, what a promise. I will give them the crown of life. Now the crown of life, hey, now let's just walk through them real quick. Now you just holler, holler them out to me and tell me where they are. Tell me, tell me about these five crowns, okay? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Holler one out, the what? Okay, the book of James, chapter one, verse 12, tells us about the crown of life. In James chapter one, the crown of life is given to us for successfully enduring temptation. Then the crown of life here, same crown, is the same crown that will be given to those who give their life for Jesus Christ. Because that's the ultimate test. That's the ultimate test. So the crown of life. What's the other crown? Give me another one. Come on. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, the incorruptible crown. What is the incorruptible crown? It is for those who walked in the spirit more than they walked into the flesh. It was those who yielded their bodies to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helped them master the old sin nature. Come on, holler at me. Give me, the other, give me the other ones. Come on, I need to wrap it up. Crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4, 8. The crown of righteousness. And that's the crown that everybody gets who loves the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, who love the doctrine of the revelation of Jesus Christ, that Christ is coming again, and you anticipate, and you're waiting. And it means, because it, it's tell the truth. Because some of us don't want him to come back tonight. Because we got some magazines at the crib that he, we wouldn't want him uh, to see in, in our crib. Our televisions are on channels that we wouldn't want him to see. We got some, some sites on our internet that we need to delete before the, he comes. We got some lottery tickets in our pocket and some bootleg DVDs in our, in our DVD rack. And we, you know, we, we, shoot. First Peter 5, 4, the crown of glory. What's that? The shepherd's crown is given to all of those who faithfully shepherd God's flock, who feed the flock and not fleece the flock. Now, well, that doesn't include you, does it? Sure it does, because if you receive a prophet in, in the name of the Lord, you receive a prophet's reward. Who's the, who's the crown of glory going to in this church? Uh, me, if I'm faithful in shepherding you, and you, if you're faithful in working with me to implement the vision that God has given to us. All right, what's the last one? That should have been the first one. Okay, the crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians 2.19. That's the soul winner's crown. And we need more than three people to get it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And of course, that doesn't just mean going out on Wednesday. You're witnessing on your jobs. You're sharing with them. And remember, it doesn't matter where you are in the continuum. That it is one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. So in other words, you planted a seed, but you didn't see the, you didn't see the harvest. But then somebody came along and watered it, but they didn't see the harvest. And then somebody came along and they shared and the person prayed to receive Christ. Well, it wasn't just that person. Somebody planted the seed. Somebody watered the seed. And when we get to heaven, everybody that planted will get a soul winner's crown. Everybody that watered will get a soul winner's crown. And everybody that saw the increase will get a soul winner's crown. You think that Billy Graham's going to be the only one that gets a soul winner's crown? Listen, there was a whole lot of folk who witnessed to them people before they ever came to that stadium to hear Billy Graham produce the harvest. Thousands are coming. <laughs> well, just a little glimpse of that Billy Graham imitation right there, but uh, a great truth for us to keep in mind. God does not call us to win souls in the fact that he holds us responsible for that. He just calls us to be faithful in sharing the good news of the gospel. And I hope that as you've been listening to today's message, you've been encouraged in that. If you want to listen again, you can do that by coming to our website. You can always listen online 
when you come to treasuredtruthradio.org. But let's get back to the message, Committed to Christ in the Crisis. Again, here is Pastor Ford. Thousands are coming. <laughs> you ought to hear Erwin Lutzer do it. He does pretty good. And so that's his promise. Now listen, why give us a promise about this? Listen, listen. Because Jesus knows that we're going to do some suffering. And, and you know what? It's like we're always going to have decisions. Like, like, for example, should I decide to do this, which, which, which may minimize my commitment to Christ, or should I decide to do this, which, which strengthens my commitment to Christ? But if I do this, and there's not as much money in this, but there's more glory in this for Jesus, here's what he wants to do. He wants to give us incentives that will make us say a million-dollar policy is not worth sacrificing hearing Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's worth more than a million dollars to me. Getting that crown for mastering the old sin nature, that's more, worth more than a million dollars to me. That's more than the accolades of men, the acceptance of men. It's more. And, and that's exactly what Jesus wants us to know. That he get, listen, listen, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know it well. It's like he did all the work through us, but he's going to give us crowns. And the Bible says, we have, as Sister Mayfield said, we have the Stephanus. It's a corruptible wreath, but he has the diadem. And one day the trumpet will sound. We'll all be around the throne of grace, and he will wear the royal diadem. He'll be seated on the throne. We'll be around the throne, and we'll have those crowns on our head. I don't know whether it's literally. I don't know whether it's symbolically. All I know, there are five of them. And the Bible says that we will be tossing these crowns at it. You alone are worthy. Worthy is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world to receive glory and honor and praise. And can you imagine standing there in one of the greatest coronations in history and not being able to participate in giving glory to Jesus? I'm just going to be honest with you. If I get all five, don't be asking me to give you one. No, don't, don't be asking me because I ain't going to give you none. And I'll say, you, you could have went out witnessing. You could have surrendered to the Spirit. You ain't have to sneak and peek and freak and slide and glide. And... You could have worked with me. <laughs> That's it. And what a tremendous time that will be. Now, let me do this. I got to do this real quick. I gotta do, because I, I want to do this because notice the three dimensions of the suffering. There's the physical dimension, and then there is the, because there's pain involved. There is the demonic, because Satan is the agent. But then there is the divine, because God says, I'm trying to try you. Why are you going through this? To be tested. Now, now I'm going to do this real quick. This is going to be like machine gun fire, but, but, but I'm going to walk through them all. I've done it uh, plenty of times in the past, but I want to do it. I, I want to give you 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 passages that tell us why God allows us to suffer. Okay? It's not exhaustive. But, so here, number one, test our faith. 1 Peter 1, 7. Test our faith. God puts value on our faith. Test our faith. And that's what he says here, that your faith would be tested. You'll be tried. And then secondly, to triumph over the flesh. Romans 13, 4. Only way to 
Control the flesh is the crucified. Can't dress it up. Can't medicate it. I mean, no demons can't be medicated. No, or domesticated. They got to be cast out. And the flesh has to be killed. Then, so triumph over the flesh. I said I want to comment. Okay. Tread on Satan. To tread on Satan. James chapter 4, 4 through 6. Resist the devil, he will flee. So submit to God, resist the devil. James 4. Then to turn us from the world. Remember, the world woos us and then God weans us from the world. Uh, 1 John 2, 15. 1 John 2, 15. Uh, then number, what is that? 5. Teach us endurance. To teach us endurance. Romans chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. Teach us endurance. Then, number six, to take us to maturity in Christ, James 1, 2 through 4. To take us to maturity in Christ, James 1, 2 through 4. Then to train us in holiness, train us in holiness. Now remember, there's only two churches that did not get a condemnation. Who were they? Smyrna and Philadelphia. What was Smyrna's problem? Persecution. What was Philadelphia's problem? Poverty. Poverty and persecution purify the church. That's why some of the better Christians are in China and places like that, Russia and places like that. Because they know. One of, one of the uh, professors at Moody asked a, a Russian believer, what do you think we need in America? He said, in America, what you need is a strong dose of persecution. You're too comfortable. And we are. Then number, whatever it is, Train us in holiness, Hebrews 5.8, Hebrews 5.8. That we trust our heavenly father, Genesis 22, whole chapter, 20, Genesis 22. Trust our heavenly father. He tans our hides. He uses suffering to tan our hides. 1 Corinthians 11, 30 through 32. 1 Corinthians 11, 30 through 32. Hebrews 12, 2 through 13. Hebrews 12, 2 through 13. And that's, uh, 11 says, no chastening seems to be uh, pleasant. Uh, at the present, but afterward it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Then for our testimony, Acts 9, 16, to give us a testimony. Some people just suffer to give, to be, they can give a testimony. Then to temper us, that is to keep us humble. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul had a thorn in the flesh, not because of anything other than God said, he said, so that I would not be exalted because of all that God is doing. He put a thorn in my flesh. Then to transform us into the likeness of Jesus to transform us, and then finally, to glorify God. So notice how he concludes, and we'll stop. He says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now I submit to you, you know, these seem to be kind of difficult for us uh, when we try to figure out, okay, what's he saying here? Because it seems like he's saying, you gotta overcome not to be hurt by the second death. But that's not it. We know that's not it, because we know we are eternally secure. So, so what is going on here? Bottom line is this, a confirmation. Because our salvation is what? Justification, sanctification, glorification. And in Romans, what did he do? He said we have been glorified. What is fied? Past tense. So God sees the future aspect of our salvation as already done. So this is just confirmation of glorification. That what he's saying in essence is this. You overcome, your overcoming is proof of your salvation. That's what he's saying. And, and he's saying you can be assured. Now what's the second death? We already know it. It's the lake of fire. At the end of the, of the book he says those who rejected Jesus Christ will be cast into the lake of fire. And so he comes and he gives this church a beautiful letter of encouragement as he begins to say, listen, suffering is a very real part of who we are. 
John 16, 33, Jesus said, in the world, you shall have tribulation. But, remember what it does, whatever comes after the but cancels out what comes before the but. And he's saying, listen, but what I'm about to tell you cancels out all the suffering. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He didn't say, be of good cheer, I'm going to get you out of it. Be of good cheer, it'll all be over after a while. No, he said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying our victory is tied to his victory, and even when it doesn't look like victory, doesn't feel like victory, it's still victory because he's already guaranteed it. And so, let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit says unto the churches, plural. See, each one of these was for all the churches, for that time and for this time. My prayer for us, I better not tell y'all what I'm praying, because y'all say I'm going to another church because this ain't the pastor I want that's praying for our persecution, that's praying that God would bring trouble in our lives that would cause us to do what he wants us to do and to be what he wants us to be. But I don't have to tell you that because he's going to do it anyway. Whatever it takes for him to bring us to the place where we are going to serve and worship him. That's what he's going to do. And, and, and I close, and I just say this as I close. One thing I learned as a parent, you don't have to do the same thing to all your children. That, that I had three of them, and each of them were different. And that's why he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Because there'll be some who will go out, they came in just as I am, and they're going to leave just as I was. But there will be others who will say, you know what? I need to get back to my first love, and I need to stand for Jesus Christ, even though it's going to cost me something. You know, that is a great challenge for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. Sometimes that first love can grow cold and we need to get back to that first love. I hope that as you've been listening to today's message, uh, committed to Christ in the crisis, we've been an encouragement to you in that way. And you know, this program and everything you hear here on Moody Radio is made possible by the generous gifts of our monthly partners. And if you're already a member of this giving family, you have our thanks as we near the end of the year. Your gifts mean more than ever. So thank you for giving financially to support this ministry. But maybe you've been intending to become a monthly partner, but you've never taken the time to contact us. Would you do so today? Becoming a monthly partner is easy. Just call us at 888-644-7660 or go online to treasuretruthradio.org. When you become a monthly partner by auto gift at a level of $30 or more, we're going to say thanks with a 50% discount on the entire library of resources for Moody Publishers. You're going to have access to books by Pastor Four, as well as commentaries, Bibles, and other books by many more Moody authors. But you don't have to become a monthly partner to give. Your year-end financial gift of any size will help set the tone for this ministry in 2016 as we continue to share the life-changing truth of God's Word. So call now, 888-644-7660, or come to our website, treasuretruthradio.org. Thanks to our producers, Amy Rios, Mark Breda, and Nathan McMillan. I'm Steve Hiller. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Ford returns on Treasure Truth, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.